The Nugent Report, the science behind health and nutrition. Welcome to this episode of The Nugent Report, a definitive source for objective information on health and nutrition, featuring Dr. Steve Nugent, the renowned psychologist, author, public speaker, and expert on science, health, wellness, and nutrition. Be sure to visit our website at drnugent.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Nugent Report. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of The Nugent Report. This episode is going to be the first in a series about vitamin D and magnesium, two of the most important nutrients for the 21st century. In these episodes, you're going to learn some things about vitamin D and magnesium that you've probably never heard before. In fact, I'm nearly 100% certain of that. The scientific research team, led by a scientist named N.R. Parva, states that vitamin D deficiency is becoming epidemic in the United States. And if we were to use the same statistical measures and apply it to the nutrient called magnesium, then we'd have to say the same of magnesium as well. Every time a nutrient gets mentioned on TV or in popular media, I pretty much immediately get people contacting me from countries all over the world asking me about that nutrient. For many people, it's the first time they've heard about it or they know very little about it generally. So they want to know if they should be taking that nutrient that they saw on the popular media. The problem with getting your nutrition information from TV shows and other forms of popular media is that they're rarely objective. Television shows earn their money through advertisement, and the higher the shows are rated, the more money they can charge to their advertisers. Unfortunately, this means that most media is typically more concerned with ratings than representing information objectively. Journalism students are typically taught the phrase, if it bleeds, it leads. That's not about facts. That's not about objectivity. That's about catching people's attention. Unfortunately, most people are more likely to be captured by extremes than by objectivity. Objective data typically falls somewhere in the middle of the spectrum versus one extreme or the other. Simply speaking, objectivity is rarely extreme, and sometimes not the best thing for ratings. Okay, let's talk about vitamin D. And again, this is going to be a series of episodes. Remember, I did promise my subscribers that I would cover all nutrients from A to Z. I didn't promise that I would do it in alphabetical order. So. With vitamin D in mind, that's where we're going to start. Before a laboratory test became available to practicing physicians, the belief that virtually no one needed to supplement vitamin D, and certainly no one would ever need to supplement more than 400 international units of vitamin D in a single day, that belief was almost universal. In fact, physicians were cautioned to avoid giving too much vitamin D. 
because they were told it could become toxic. Well, that's true. Just about everything can become toxic if you get too much of it. In fact, if you drink too much clean, pure water, even that could become toxic. But we're talking about ridiculous amounts, obviously. So, the 400 IU rule was observed pretty strictly for a very long time, for decades. Once physicians began to test people for vitamin D, that tired old belief was shattered very quickly. To the great surprise of all the physicians that I've spoken with, the new blood test was showing very high percentages of people who needed more vitamin D. And in fact, physicians were finding that they needed to recommend not hundreds of units, but thousands of international units per week just to get their patients back up to adequate levels. Later on, I'm going to explain the difference to you between deficiencies and less than adequate levels, but we won't cover that right now. When the world's first minimum daily requirement was established for vitamin D, that was back in 1941, by the U.S. National Academy of Sciences, the world was very different than it is today. Diet and dietary choices, as well as work activities and recreational activities, were all very different than they are today. In the 1940s, most people of all ages got a good deal more sunlight than they get today. Children played outside versus being glued to a video game console or a computer or their cell phones nearly every waking hour of the day. Outdoor activities were the norm versus sitting in your living room watching television. Although the process of turning whole grain into refined white flour began around 1870, most foods in the human diet were not significantly altered until many decades later. It seems as science advances in the 21st century that there are never-ending ways to alter our food from its natural state. In 1941, corporate farming was yet to be invented. Much has changed since that time. Since medical physicians receive almost no training in nutrition, they rely on information from government agencies, medical associations, and the various science journals to make their decisions on their patients' nutritional needs. Throughout the history of medicine, doctors have been basically taught that if you eat right, you'll get everything you need. In principle, this sounds great, and I wish it was that simple. The fact is, most people don't make good dietary choices. For more than 50 years, people have been given misinformation about diet. Most of that misinformation was unintentional by various medical experts acting as the health expert on TV shows and other forms of media, advising on things that they were not experts in. The result is the average person doesn't have sufficient accurate information to make good dietary choices. Remember, as they say in the computer world, Garbage in, garbage out. 
If your information input is inaccurate, the conclusion that you draw from that information will almost certainly also be inaccurate. When I was in practice, I would always ask my patients about their diet when I did the initial intake. That's the first meeting that you have in the clinic with the patient. Almost 100% of the people who were not well would tell me that they eat right. They make good choices in their diet. They believed that because they were acting on misinformation that they thought was true and correct because, for God's sakes, they saw it on TV. It must be true. Or, Dr. So-and-so said it, therefore, it must be true. Most of the time, this is simply not the case. There are, of course, many reasons for those people not being well when they come to see a healthcare practitioner. Diet is a significant contributing factor, in my opinion, in most cases, but there are a variety of possibilities, obviously. The problem is the average person has so much conflicting information, they don't know how to make the right choices. Even doctors are often confused on this topic. I know this because I've been teaching doctors for more than 30 years. Assuming that you made perfect choices, which of course is pretty unlikely, you still may come up short according to more recent scientific study. There's something else to consider. As I said many times, in an attempt to explain to people how nutrient cofactors work with other nutritional cofactors, that biochemistry is kind of like the kids connect the dot games. In that game, of course, you can't see the full picture until you've connected all of the dots. As I said in one of my previous publications, no nutrient is an island unto itself. Forgive me for paraphrasing on that. All nutrients have cofactors, my friends. So for those people who think because they have internet access and they can go on the internet and look up something by who knows who to give you information about nutrition, that they're suddenly nutritional experts, uh, they've got a lot to learn. Nutritional biochemistry is very complicated. Human digestion, very complicated. I'm going to do the best I can to make this simple and easy to understand and hopefully to keep your attention as we're going through this list of episodes. So this brings us back to the question, do you really need to supplement vitamin D? Physicians now know how to routinely test for vitamin D but they've not been taught that vitamin D cannot be utilized by the body if you are deficient in magnesium. So, should we be asking the question, do you need to supplement magnesium? I'll come back to that. And that's why I've decided to do this series of episodes talking about vitamin D and magnesium together. Because without magnesium... Vitamin D is not going to be utilized by your body. And you probably don't know a great deal about magnesium. So we're going to cover them both in these episodes. In the next episode, we're going to be talking about how magnesium and vitamin D work together.
we'll be talking about blood testing, talking about some health conditions, and we're also going to talk about why people of color may be more deficient in vitamin D than others. Until then, stay safe, be sensible, and stay objective. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Nugent Report. Visit our website at drnugent.com for more objective facts about health and nutrition and email your questions and feedback to info at drnugent.com. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Nugent Report. Stay informed. Get the facts with The Nugent Report.